right. Got a bunch of notes here. We'll see if I use them. Um, I'm all right. How's everybody doing? Great. That's good. This isn't my first time up here. Uh, Miles did let me preach uh, December before last, and um, I had this whole outline of what I wanted to talk about, and I talked about, I even had my laptop up here. I didn't talk about any of it. I started sharing my testimony. It was like an hour and 18 minutes. I didn't finish it, uh, but people told me it was good afterwards, and, um, and it's not about my ability. And I, I did prepare, but I know that um, the Lord wants to speak through me. And, and I, I do feel he confirmed that, you know, this is the message that he wanted to speak. And when I was, when Miles first asked me to come up here and preach um, a few weeks back, I, I felt immediately what, I, what I, th I thought the Lord was calling me to speak about because it's, basically what he's been instilling me through this whole year, especially since COVID broke out. Here we go. Um, and uh, when we were at prayer on Tuesday, I, I just came to him again. I was thinking like, Lord, do you really want me to preach about this? And then the the passage of scripture that I was going to preach on, actually, Miles got up and read at the end of prayer on Tuesday, so I took that as confirmation. But I'm actually I'm going to grab my phone. Oh. Okay, watch the time here. Sorry for the delay. No more delay. Right? Okay. So, what I want to talk about tonight um, just has to do with what the Lord's been doing in me, and a lot of it is correction and just kind of realigning me, you know, it, I've asked him at the beginning of the year, um, going into the new year, 2021, for a word for the year and not like a big prophetic word, just one word. Um, what's something that I could focus on and that, that he's speaking to me, like what do you want me to really meditate upon this year? And so when I asked him for 2021, what's that word? He said, diligence. And And thinking about that, um, it had everything to do with what I was feeding upon in the Word in, in 2020. There was one book of the Bible that, for whatever reason, I just felt compelled to spend most of my time in last year. And the Lord showed me that in, in that passage, the book is Second Timothy, uh, in that book... Paul gives a pattern of what it likes to live a diligent life. 
through three symbols, uh, which I'm going to talk about tonight. And he was showing me that this is how I need to pattern my life moving forward to be prepared for what's coming. Um, I feel like we can look at where we are in, in history, and we know that these are significant times we're living in. These aren't ordinary times. This isn't business as usual. Things are different with this um, virus, the way it's changed the global economy, the way it's shifted powers, the, w the way our government is changing, the way uh, persecution and oppression against people who are just trying to worship God is rising. If we are still in the same pattern and rhythm of life beforehand and we weren't prepared for that and we haven't made adjustments moving forward, we're not going to be prepared when things increase. And it all comes back to our diligence. And when I was thinking about this, giving this message, I kind of came to the Lord like, I, you know, I don't really feel like I should even be preaching about this because I know that there's areas that I haven't been diligent in. I've actually been, I feel like there's areas in prayer and, and just spending time with the Lord that I've been kind of regressing in because of changes in my life. And I felt like the Lord said, you know, it's not your message, it's mine. And it's not about you. And, and your ability to be diligent isn't about you. But it all has everything to do with what you believe and who you're agreeing with. And out of this, you know, I don't know how much I'll get through. Um, out of this, I'll touch on, on, on several things. You know, diligence comes back to different ideas that the Lord has really been impressing on me, impressing upon me moving forward. That discipline and being intentional and being persistent and being consistent. And... Um, so first, if, if you want to open up with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you have your Bibles or your phones. So 2 Timothy, this book that I read, uh, you know, over and over and over again last year, and I, the Lord gave me this message out of, it's a really significant book. The reason being, this is actually the last words of Paul. And, you know, Paul, who wrote 13 or 14 books of the Bible, you know, there's some amazing, lofty theological truths, and we, and we love Ephesians, and we, you know, being in, our hearts being enlightened with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, all these great prayers and passages and truths and Romans and and I think about all that, and then I look at this letter that he wrote to his son, Timothy, and a lot of that isn't in here. It's really, it's really simple stuff. And I think that's important and it's relevant because Paul, in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, he says, my time to depart has come. That means when he wrote this letter, he knew that he was about to be executed by Nero. 
He said, I, you know, I, my life has been, I've been poured out as a drink offering. My time of departure has come. He knew that his time was up. So when he wrote this, it, it, it wasn't just coincidence that this was his last words. He knew that this is my last piece of advice to my dearest son, Timothy. And he gives some really simple exhortations and advice. And in this, in chapter two, I'm going to start. He tells Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So the first, you know, several times I've read over that passage, it didn't mean much to me. And then something just clicked in my head, and it has everything to do with diligence. Paul here is giving a pattern. Uh, he, he's showing you three symbols of how you're called to live your life. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And actually, you can see all through Scripture, there's references to these three types that we are all soldiers, athletes, and farmers in the kingdom. We're, are we in the Lord's army? Right? You're a soldier. Right? Are you called to run a race? You're an athlete. You know, are you called to the harvest? Are you called to steward and sow and reap? You're a farmer. So everybody say, I'm a soldier. I'm an athlete. And I'm a farmer. So I, I come back to this because I think about what can I draw from this? Uh, about these, these three types of, of people, the way they live, the way they steward their lives, that I need to apply to my own walk of faith, my own race. And, and there's scripture for each of these. And so first I want to come back to diligence. Soldiers, athletes, and farmers all live life, lives of diligence. And when I looked up the definition, there was three that I was given. Uh, the first one being careful and persistent work or effort. Steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Or devoted and painstaking work or application to accomplish an undertaking. An example of diligence is a person who does a job efficiently and takes care of details. I look at my own life and I see areas uh, you know, of lack in my, f where in, in, my, in my walk with God. And I've been tempted to make excuses for that. You know, the last year the Lord told me, and it sounds a little heavy, but I 
you know, I knew it was true, but he said, Daniel, you blame a lot of things on the enemy that is really a result of your own lack of stewardship. And, you know, it was really hard for me to receive that initially, and it sounds, it might sound condemning, and it's not. It's the Lord wanting to empower me to take authority over the areas of my life that I've neglected. And I, and I bring that up because there is a, a perception, especially in my generation, uh, being a millennial, that grace is the empowerment for us to give half our effort and then God will do the rest. And because of that, a, a lot of us have neglected areas of our lives that have created problems for our, our, the spiritual side of things. And what the Lord has been showing me is we don't realize how much the little natural things in our lives how we steward those affect the spiritual things. Like, it could be the simplest thing. For example, what you're, what you're eating, your sleeping habits, you know, obviously how you're spending your time, your, how you're stewarding your relationships with your family. Those little things the little decisions we make every day, the little choices actually can have profound effects when it comes to our relationship with God. And we don't, and because of this, if we, are, if we aren't thinking rightly, like as last week Miles was talking about stewardship and a lot of this directly applies to stewardship. If we don't understand this, we're always gonna be in this in this tension where things are not, where things are out of sync in our lives. Like, you know, we come to church and we come to the prayer meeting and, you know, we get these great revelations and things are good, but we go, but things are in turmoil around us because of our lack of stewardship and our lack of diligence. And so I'm going to come back to these um, three examples with some scripture and, and, the, and the word diligent, we can find that in, in several passages all through scripture, especially if you looked at different translations, it's all over. You know, the first thing that came to mind when the Lord told me this is Hebrews eleven six, which he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One second here. Another, another scripture that, that uh, is very pertinent to me is Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the issues of life. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. 
Second Peter 3.14, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And lastly, the hands of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Yeah, you can meditate on that one for a while. So thinking about this, asking the Lord about it, reading about, you know, the, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, how do they live their lives? What do they do differently than everybody else? Um, one thing the Lord kept bringing to me is that if I want to be diligent or if we want to be disciplined or if we want to be st- intentional about certain things, the first thing we might want to do is change something that we're doing or adjust, right? Like if I want to be diligent to be with the Lord every day, I might wake up earlier in the morning or attempt to, or I might set a prayer time. These are things I might do. But what the Lord showed me is that if you really want to be diligent, the first thing you have to do is adjust your beliefs about yourself. To be diligent, you have to believe that you are diligent. You know, in in Second Timothy, chapter one, first uh, verses six and seven, Paul reminds Timothy, "For this reason, I remind you to fan in the, into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control." That word self-control can also mean discipline. We have a spirit of self-control, of discipline in us. It's the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus. And we're not trying to attain to something when we, li- when we lead or live a, a life of diligence. We're agreeing with who God has judged us by the blood. And, out, and we're putting our best effort into it. You know, we hear a lot of times like it's, you know, not in your strength, but God's. And it's true, but it doesn't mean we don't use our strength. Like it's not about my ability, it's about God's, but it doesn't mean I don't use my ability. You know, much in the kingdom is is reconciling two seemingly opposing realities. You know, to, to be exalted, we have to humble ourselves. To receive, we have to give. To live, we have to die. To rest, we have to strive. Now, I know no one liked that last one. But it's actually in the Bible, in Hebrews 4.12, strive to enter rest. We don't strive, just like the song we were singing, we don't strive to, for righteousness. We don't strive to, to, for God to be pleased with us. We don't strive 
for our identities. It's, that is a grace and a free gift that is given to us through the cross by the blood of Jesus. We strive and we labor with cheerful hearts because we've seen what God has done. And now we're entering into fellowship with him with pouring out ourselves in return. You know, we keep, one thing that we pray all the time is that we want to be filled. You know, Lord, fill us. But sometimes we can't be filled unless we've first been, been emptied. And sometimes that looks and that feels like something that's uncomfortable. And it might even exhaust you and it might even take a lot of energy out of you. But there's nothing wrong with that because you can't give anything back to God and lose out in the end. You're only, you know, you know what I'm saying? You're only going to receive back everything that you give and more. You know, it's like, it would be like someone giving me a, a, a $100 bill and then God asking me to give it to him. If I don't want to give it to him, I could, I could, I could say, oh, I don't want to pay that price. But I was already, it was given to me to give back to him. We're just giving to God what he's already given to us. One moment. All right, so coming back to the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, you know, I ask myself, what do all these have in common? You know, for a soldier, for an athlete, for a farmer, I was in the military. Um, so I think about the mindset of a soldier or, you know, in my case, a sailor. And a, a soldier or someone in the military, someone enlisted, right? They're, they're working towards a greater vision. They're loyal, they're obedient, they're a fighter. I think of David who was a man of war, right? And he was also a man after God's own heart. We think about the man of war and you know, these three types, uh, of people, you know, it seems kind of masculine when I'm talking about it, but this, ev this has everything and applies just as much to, to women as well. You know, the whole concept of the man of war, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer. It says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I come back to this and I think about, you know, I feel like there, there's a lot the Lord is doing in me and stirring up this like aggressive, just um, warring spirit that we need in the body of Christ today. And 
there, you know, there's a time for peace, there's a time for war, there's a time for rest. There's, we can have this spirit in us and also know the rest of God. And rest is not necessarily about physical comfort. It's about knowing who we are under the blood and who, where our hope is and where we're going. You know, I think about rest and because, you know, we talk about warring and Paul told Timothy, wage a good warfare with the prophetic words spoken over your life. And it's like, how do we reconcile that with rest? And I look at Paul's life. You look at, here's a man who, if you were to measure rest in his life by physical comfort, you would say that he had none. You know, he was shipwrecked. He was, he was flogged. He was beaten. He was stoned to death, essentially. He, he says he... He went hungry, he went unclothed, he went in the cold. But all through that, he knew who his, who his God was, and he knew who he was in Christ. And that empowered him to get through seemingly impossible trials. And I think about grace. You know, grace is not, you know, there's favor, there's open doors, there's blessings, there's all these things. But grace isn't always, it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes grace is the empowerment to get something that's difficult, that's hard, that takes a lot out of you, that wars against your mind, that tries to disrupt your life. You feel the temptation to be anxious and all these different things. And grace is the ability to get through that. You know, the things that we've been called to are actually impossible for us to achieve on our own. And that grace is that empowerment to, even though it looks impossible, to get through that. And I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but... So coming back to the soldier and speaking about the man of war, there's something the Lord has been speaking to me about, stirring that spirit up in us and being relentless in our pursuit of the things of God. And we are in a war in this, you know, in where we're at in history. And you look at what's happening to our nation. You look at what's happening uh, in government right now. There's a spiritual war going on that we're a part of. And there's a place for us to step into that with like a tenacity and just an unrelenting and a confident heart, you know, as soldiers in the Lord's army. One moment. And then I, I come to the athlete. The athlete is enduring 
is determined and is persistent. You know, in Hebrews 12, it says, let us lay aside every weight and entanglement and run the race set before us. You know, I ask myself, what does it mean to run? And in this past year, you know, this is something that I've been kind of revelating with the Lord on. Um, I started running this year. And every time I'd get on the treadmill, I felt like the Lord was giving me revelation about <clears throat> what it meant to run with him. And, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm just going to pray for a moment. If you just want to pray in the spirit with me for a moment. Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present in this place. Lord, I, I thank you for clearing the atmosphere. I thank you for clearing. I thank you for a haven of peace in this place. Holy Spirit, I just ask that your, your word would come forth clearly, unhindered. I thank you for clarity. I thank you for peace. I just yield to you right now, Lord. Have your way in and through me. Have your way in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name. Sorry, as I'm up here, I can feel my mind starting to cloud a little bit. And that's not normal for me. And I'm not really sure what's going on, but I know it's all right. Um, I'm in the living room, as Miles says. You know, usually when I get one-on-one -on -one with somebody and I start sharing my heart, like, I, I just can't stop. I, you know. And, uh, and I just feel, uh, I felt a little, I don't know, there was a little hang-up there. So I need to stop and pray. I hope that you don't mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe this will just break out into a prayer meeting. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. 
okay. Coming back to where I left off. There's the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And these are patterns for how we're supposed to live. When I think about the farmer, the farmer is faithful, he's steadfast, he's consistent. He's always at work, he understands the times and the seasons, and he adjusts accordingly. We are in a new era. We're in a new time. Things are different. And we need to make adjustments. You know, this past year, the Lord was speaking to me about prayer. And one thing he told me was to establish my prayer life. And I did that for, for a season. But the, towards the end of the year, you know, I had things change in my life and also just in general, just was not being as diligent, was not being as, as faithful to maintain that place of prayer. I realized that will cost me in the future if, if I just would let that go. You know, we can ask ourselves, if your, if your life right now, the way, the way you steward your time with God, the way you steward prayer, the way you steward the word, if you took all of that and just continued, if you made no changes for the year ahead, the, the next five years, would you be prepared for something catastrophic? You know, I know the answer for me is, I don't, I don't think I would. You know, I wasn't even prepared. I don't think the church clearly was not prepared for COVID-19. And what the Lord has shown me is things are not going to get easier from here on out. You know, we need to make adjustments. We need to continue to look at ourselves, not, not look at ourselves in a condemning way. Like, oh, like, this is all the stuff that I have not been doing well with and Look at just adjustments with the Lord. Ask him, what do I need to change? Where in the place of prayer, for example, can I be more faithful? You know, Mike Bickle from IHOP, he talks about prayer. And he says most Christians, the majority of, vast majority of Christians don't even have a, a prayer time. And that I know that's true for most of us in this room. And I had a prayer time, but I, I haven't been keeping it myself. And he says, if you just established a prayer time and made a prayer list, you would pray 10 times more than you were before. And this is someone who, who knows something about prayer. He's established 24-7 prayer and worship. It's been going for over 20 years. And it's and, you know, it's easy for us to neglect that, but we don't realize without a revelation of what it means to, in eternity how much that's costing us. You know, if I told you 
at 9 o'clock p.m. every night, I want you to, to meet me, you know, somewhere, and I'll give you $500. Meet me at KA, I'll give you $500, 9 p.m. Tuesday night. Would you be there? Okay, so let's say tomorrow's Monday. We'll be there on Monday. What about Tuesday? Would you be there Tuesday for another 500? That's $1,000, two days. All right, what about Wednesday? Right, if I agreed to do that every single night, would you always be there? There would probably be a lot. It would take, it would take a lot for you to miss being there. Now, having said that, what is worth more, $500 or half an hour with the king? Or even 20 minutes getting before God? What's, more, what's worth more in eternity? But this is how we treat prayer. You know, prayer is this, it's still... We still look at it as this, this obligation, this duty that, you know, not all of us, but most of us feel that way. And it's, it's because we don't really understand what it is. It's not asking for things. It's who you're with. And we can't afford moving forward to neglect that place. I know it, like the Lord has given me like a sober awareness that I, I cannot neglect my, my prayer life. It will cost me. You know, we talk about rev we want revival, we want awakening, we want all these things. You know, when re revival comes, when there's a move of God that comes, it's not going to fix your prayer life. And you can... Look at every revival that's ever come. There's been tons of people who experienced the fruits of it. And then right after it ended, they went back to their old lives or even worse. It's because it's not just about the move of God. It's about how are you stewarding those places in your life already? You know, the Lord was showing me like, Daniel, you know, you're growing in revelation but your application of that revelation is not, is not going anywhere. It's, you're kind of staying stagnant. And that's probably true for a lot of us, you know. You know, the more that we partake of this word, the more that we read, the more that we understand, the more knowledge and wisdom that is given to us, you know, the more accountability we have to it. And that's not a bad thing, you know, it's not bondage, but it's something we have to account for. You know, I, I have prophetic words over my life of all kinds of things that I know are from the Lord, you know, about moving in signs and wonders and healing and 
I'm never going to step into those things unless I start laying my hands on people and praying for them in faith. You know, and coming back to diligence, I have to make a decision. You know, am I going to let these things fall by the wayside or am I going to step into them? Am I really going to make the decision and be intentional and be steady and be consistent and set aside time, you know, ask the Lord how he wants me to step into these things? Because day by day, you know, keeps on passing. It seems like, I mean, I, I think most of us would agree that time seems to be accelerating, you know? The days seem to be going faster and faster, and you're just, where was the month? Where was the six months, the year? It says, seize the time for the days are evil. You know, that time is a thief. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to account for my life, and I'm going to have a testimony And I don't want my testimony to be, I received salvation and I was blessed by God and and everything was great and, you know, now I'm here. You know, I want to come with something that I can give to, like, this is, you know, our lives here on earth are deciding an eternal destiny with the Lord. And some of you might not believe in heavenly rewards, But it's biblical that the way we live our lives here, we are rewarded for. And it affects, you know, what our eternal future looks like. How the decisions I make, how diligent I am right now is affecting what my eternal future looks like. You know, what I'm doing with my prayer life has eternal consequences. You know, in Reinhard Bonnke, used to talk about how eternity is not something way out in front of us. It's something running parallel with time. Like, and every time we're, we decide to be faithful with these areas of our life, uh, our eternity is affected for the better or for the worse. And the good thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, The good thing is God is faithful, you know, that a lot of the things I'm talking about might, it might seem heavy or like, oh, we have, you know, I got to make all these adjustments in my life or his grace is sufficient. You know, one of the reasons we feel we don't have enough time to be with God is because we don't think there is enough time. But if his grace is sufficient, then he's given you enough time. If you're a, you know, if you're a mother, you're, how much time you have, if you're a mother with children, looks a lot different than the single guy, you know, who's not married and has no kids. And it looks different. But there's a grace for each. You know, there's a grace for all of us. Like, I always, I think about Susanna Wesley. She had 19 children. I don't know how much time you have if you have 19 children, but it's probably close to zero when it comes to doing things in, 
in your spiritual life, you know? And it says that it's written about her that she used to put an apron over her head to pray, you know, having all these little kids around her. And those little prayers resulted in John and Charles Wesley, who are Charles Wesley, who wrote most of the hymns you'll find in a hymnal in, in an old, a Baptist church. John Wesley, who was the forerunner of the Methodist movement. And their fruit of just one woman who was faithful, first to be a mother to her children, but also just to pray when she could. And so this isn't everything I'm talking about, you know, prayer, all these things. It's not necessarily about time. But just giving what you have, you know, sowing your seed. What, what You can ask the Lord, what have you given me to give to you in the place of prayer? You know, it looks different for me than it does for you. So I, I come back to the fact that, you know, being diligent, it, it's not about our ability, but it's, it's about him. It's about what he's spoken over us. It's about who he's made us to be. It's about knowing our identities and, and walking that out and beholding him and seeing his beauty and seeing the cross and responding. You know, I... I look at, when I think about what Jesus suffered, when I think about the cross, when I think about the saints who, who came before me and who died and who labored, I'm so moved to give of myself. You know, I, people who know me know that I have a great affection for Ann and Adoniram Judson, two missionaries that came from New England. They were the, the first missionary couple actually to be sent from America. And when I read the stories of their lives, they did impossible things. And all they were was just two faithful people who just gave their lives to God, who just said yes no matter what. You know, Adoniram Judson, he was offered a position at the, I believe it was the first congregational church in Boston. And Anne and him both led comfortable lives of somewhat affluence here, but instead they gave that up for what most people understood in that time as, you know, their deaths. When they got on a ship to leave, you know, most people accepted that as they're never coming back. And both Anne and Adoniram came back one time while they were over there, but they both died in the mission field. And, you know, when I get discouraged about the work I've been called to, you know, the things I've been called to do, I, I feel like, oh, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the ability. I, I failed in this. You know, I, I think of stories like theirs, like Adoniram Judson was translating the Bible in Burmese. He got arrested several years into this work. 
and he was put into a, a death prison. And he was shackled with 14 pounds of fetters around his ankle. And every night he'd be held up, drawn to the ceiling with his shoulders resting on the ground. The area is covered with rats and bodily fluids from other people that have been there. There's no windows. It's 110 degrees outside. It's hot. And he's sharing this prison with dozens of other people. And there's little to no food or water. That sounds horrific. And it was. And he actually never spoke about these events in his life. The only reason we know that happened to him is because there was an English person, uh, uh, there was a man from England who was with him in prison who survived. He actually wrote about it in a book, and that, that's how they knew that this happened to him. In the midst of all that that I'm talking about, Adoniram Judson had his pregnant wife bring him his manuscripts from his Burmese Bible, and he was still translating the Bible in Burmese. And I look at that, and I, we look at all the excuses we give ourselves to not do what we've been called to, and we allow discouragement in, and we allow disappointment and all these things to get in the way. And I look at a man like him, and this is a man who doesn't even walk in the same stream of faith you know, they didn't speak in tongues. They weren't walking in healing. It was seven years before he even got one convert in Burma, before he even got a single person. He was there for seven years laboring. But he still poured out his, his life. And I know in heaven, he's highly exalted for what he gave to God. And... I look at stories like that, and it, and it motivates me to give more of myself, to be more diligent in the little things that we, we're so tempted to complain about, you know, in our American Christianity. You know, God is removing us from American Christianity and bringing us into apostolic Christianity. You know, a, tr a true apostolic community like Acts 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 where the church is powerful again, and people aren't surviving, but they're thriving in the midst of darkness and in the midst of persecution and in the midst of all these things going on around. And that's where we're going, but it takes our, our agreement with God and our yes, and not just our confession, but our step, our every step, you know? I was on the treadmill one time and, you know, when I'm on the treadmill, um, I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to God and I'll, I'll start praying a little bit. And uh, I was running really fast this specific time. And uh, I was like, Lord, you know, just give me the grace. <laughs> Help me finish. I didn't, because I, you know, it's like every step I take, I just feel the, the, the voice like, just turn down the speed just a little bit. Or maybe you'll just go half the time. It's that temptation. And, and I was thinking about the finish line, like, oh, just because I, I run for 22 minutes, 22 seconds. 
and I was probably like six, six minutes in. And I'm thinking about, oh, man, when I just get to the finish line, it's going to be so worth it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you think the glory is at the end, but the glory is in every step you take. You know, we think the glory is like at the conference with the great speakers, but sometimes it's just in you getting up early in the morning and being faithful and doing the thing that you don't want to do and still showing up to prayer when you're not feeling it and ignoring your emotions about a certain thing and still showing love. Like there's, from a heavenly eternal perspective, there's glory in these things. And doesn't, it's not all about what we're feeling. In fact, it has little to nothing to do with what we're feeling. And part of subjecting our bodies and our souls to our spirit is overcoming what we're feeling. And I say that because I look at people like Ann and Adoniram Judson. I look at people like John G. Lake, who, whose you know, family suffered so many deaths and there were so many tragedies. I look at all these saints and men and women of God who led, who led lives that I want to imitate. You know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He could only say that because he was a, he was a good example. You know, these are people I, I want to draw from in my own life, but I see that I have to make adjustments in my life. I have to be more diligent. You know, I have to ask myself tough questions. Do you want to help me? Yeah. So I'm going to close out here, but I want to pray. Um, before we do that. And I don't know if my message came forth clearly. You know, I sh it definitely came out a little differently than I expected. Um, but that's all right. So actually, if you want to stand with me as I pray. And if you just want to lift your hands for a moment. We're just going to ask the Lord together to just show us ways where we can be more diligent in our lives. Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now, uh, I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, that you come in and just encourage the hearts of every person here. I ask that you help us, Lord, moving forward. Walk worthy of the calling that you have laid out before us before the foundation of the world 
that we lead lives worthy of the gospel, that we would be diligent, Lord, as soldiers in your army, as men and women of war, just like Psalm 68 says that the warring women of Zion take the spoil, Lord, I thank you that would be, we would be like athletes who run the race set before us with cheerful, enduring hearts, persistent, faithful, steadfast, making every effort. to live our lives for you, that our lives are not our own. Our lives are not our own. And we give them to you. And Lord, we just ask right now that you just speak to every one of us. Lord, where can we be more, be more diligent? Is there something we're missing, Lord? Is there an area of our life that we need to yield to you, to give to you? Something that we're ignoring and running away from, Lord. We just thank you that it's not condemnation, but it's freedom. When you reveal to us these things, Lord, I thank you for freedom, Lord. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom in this place. There's freedom for every heart and mind here. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this hour that we're living in, that we would be the true church that you have called us to be, that we would respond in the midst of chaos around us, in the midst of uncertainty before us, and the corruption and in in, in the things in, that are going on in our government, Lord. We thank you for raising us up as agents of change, agents of the kingdom, that life and light and hope would come out of us wherever we go, Lord, that we would not just confess faith, but we would walk in it. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time tonight to worship you again. We just ask that you would touch our hearts, that you would speak to us afresh tonight. Moving forward, Lord, bless everyone here this week. eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to see and understand what you're doing, what you're saying to your people, Lord. So we love you, we worship you, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name.